Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. Welcome to Grilling at the Green After Hours with JT, the conversation that took place after the broadcast ended. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Um, hey, everybody. Welcome to After Hours here on Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. We've got uh, Jerry Foltz and Karen Stupples with us today. Uh, this is the part of the show that doesn't get broadcast on the terrestrial part, uh, but this is where we can say stuff we really mean. So because it goes out over the, the web. What's the toughest uh, toughest situation you've ever been in as a commentator, Jerry? I mean, you ever have a player that was upset with you? I mean, besides Jason Gore and. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. If I'm, if we don't get players that are, uh, that was Jason Day, by the way, <laughs> he would be upset with me. Um, if, if we don't have players get mad at us, then we're not doing our job properly because our, our, our boss is the viewer, not the player. And it's a really delicate line to walk sometimes. And you get a lot of commentators all across all sports who are apologists for the sport. And that's what made Johnny Miller better than anybody because he was universally hated by the players for telling the truth. They don't yeah. want to hear the truth. They, you know, they want you to, they, they want you to tell the audience how great they are and everything, how nice they are. I remember Daniel Berger came up to me. I was covering the uh, John Deere classic a couple years ago and he goes, Fultzy. And he's just a great kid. I love the guy. He comes over to me and he goes, Fultzy. I want you to tell the audience that I am the nicest guy on the PGA tour. And he was half joking, but I really, I need you to tell him that he goes, you know, I've been getting a bad, I need you to tell the audience I'm the nicest guy on the PGA tour. I said, Daniel, you're playing with Steve Stricker and Zach Johnson. You're the third nicest guy in your group. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the toughest position, uh, you know, you get, you get players that are mad at you. You get uh, out on the LPJ tour. Sometimes you get parents and agents that get really mad at you. I've had okay. that happen. Um, but, uh, if you, if you're doing your job properly, you, you don't have to apologize to anybody. Um, and, and that's just a hard reality of, of being a, an analyst and a critic, um, because you can't, you can't do your job. You can't serve the audience, uh, properly. If you're, if you're gonna, if a, if a player blades one across the green and you say that's the best they could do from there, no, they hit a shitty shot they hit, yeah. and they choked. I mean, you got to say they choked when they choked. And uh, and so, yeah, sometimes the players don't want to hear it. Sometimes a player might not look you in the eyes next time you pass them, but eventually they'll get over it because, uh, you know, we don't control how they play or how they're perceived. We we just report it. Yeah. How about you, Karen? A uh, couple of things with me. Um, I've had a player, uh, I, I made comment on how, um, she handles how she handled the situation, and and it was like daggers for a while. And she was one of the top players, and I, I knew I was going to have to follow her. So I'm like, damn it, I'm going to have to go face her because I can't I can't have this hanging over me because she was a friend uh, from playing as well. And I'm like, I went up to her, I said, look, I, this what I said is not meant to hurt you. 
Um, and she's like, well, you don't know. And I'm like, actually, I'm thinking to myself, actually, I do know. I do know all of the stuff that you don't think I know. Yeah. And, uh, and it took a while, uh, but you know, we're not, we're not going to be the same. Um, but that's how it goes. As Jerry said, that's just the way it is. And I've had a coach approach me too, uh, very much the same along the same line saying, you know, that's not fair what you said, this and that. And I'm like, well, it's my opinion. This is my opinion, my personal preference. So I've had that. But one of the most embarrassing moments ever to happen to me on a golf course where I just wanted the ground to open up and swallow me whole was when I was covering the President's Cup and I was walking with at Liberty National. I was walking with Jason Day, Day, Jason Day in the singles playing against Charlie Hoffman. And because I've only got little legs, I have to move really fast to get ahead of the guys that are striding along. So I'm like hustling up there to get to Charlie Hoffman's ball, who's hit it towards the left bunker. And I'm on this one hole. I'm thinking he's in the bunker. So I'm hustling up there to get a look at the lie so I can tell people what it looks like. Well, the ball didn't actually get to the bunker. It stopped in the rough and I kicked it. I kicked Charlie Hoffman's ball. And I'm like, shit, what have I done? And the... and he's walking up right behind me. Luckily, there's a rules for He's like, you kicked my ball. I said, yes, I know I did. I said, luckily, I've got a bad leg. It didn't go very far. It's only here. And so the rules official comes up and he says, now, um, do you remember where it was sitting? So I quickly look down and try and find the nicest patch of grass I could possibly see, knowing that he's going to put it on that spot. I'm like, it was right here, right here on this really, on this, this little nice area right here. This was where it was. <laughs> and uh, so, so I kind of, I literally forever i'm like god how am i going to live this down and i saw charlie uh, a couple of weeks later and uh i was covering the pga tour event a couple of weeks later and he said um i said i am so sorry i said i just can't tell you enough how sorry i said he said oh my god he said it was the funniest thing we, we laughed so hard about it he said because we could tell just how embarrassed you were by it so so there was that just a couple of months ago in our first tournament back post-covid was at uh, inverness up in toledo yeah. And I went to follow Lexi's group. Now, post-COVID, we because of protocols, we can't have our standard volunteer cart driver who drives our cart, takes us from point A to point B so we can do our job properly, has our has our refreshments and our and our rain gear and all that on the cart. So we have to drive our own cart. So I go out, and we don't have ropes at this event because it's a brand-new added event. I go out, and I catch up to Lexi's group, and she hits her ball in the right rough, and I drive my cart over there and looking for the ball and then we all we're all looking for it the rough's deep and sure enough and it's early and there's dew on the ground and and we find it and i go oh christ somebody ran over your golf ball and there's a track right there somebody <laughs> ran over your ball and i go and that car track is right that's just that's the way i can oh christ i ran over your golf ball <laughs> she just laughed we called a rules official over same thing and the rules official goes well how is it sitting before you ran it over? I go, if I knew that, I wouldn't have ran the damn thing over. Come on, that's a stupid question. So she got the best possible lie. We all chuckled. And uh, some guy reported on Twitter, a local reporter, and I became kind of the laughing stock for a few days. That kind of stuff happens. Oh, yeah, it does. Um, Karen, when you first flipped on the microphone at Golf Channel, were you nervous? Very much. Yes, it was. It was, um, in fact, still get nervous. There's not, there's not one broadcast that I don't get nervous for. Yeah. And it was, I'm a little more comfortable, obviously more comfortable now with it, but I, I had done work for BBC Radio before. Um, and so I kind of had a little in into it there. But the first time I ever went on Golf Channel uh, as, a, as, a, as anybody was at the Solheim Cup in Colorado. And it was just a spur and a moment thing. All the, all the 
big wigs already working for Golf Channel, because I was there for the BBC. All the big wigs already working for Golf, and they were going to be busy covering the matches. There was nobody there to talk on morning drive. So they needed somebody for, to do a morning drive hit. And so luckily one of the producers, uh, a lady called Lena Bustos, was there working, and she said, Karen, would you mind doing it? So she had to run it past everybody, and they said, sure, let's get her on. So I got on there, first ever time, and uh, knocked it out of the park. Apparently knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Everybody was using my stuff all day long, and and from that moment on, I was in. That was it. Good for you. How about you, Jared? What's that? What was the question? Were you first time you flipped on the microphone? Way oh back God! Then? I choked so bad. Oh, it was ridiculous. I, I I can't tell you how many times I was just beyond unwatchable early in my career. Maybe still am, according to some people. But no. uh, I remember the very first time I, I went out as a guest commentator in 1995, and I made fun of the real commentator because he had a, a weird accent to me and, and used different language, and uh, and always tried sounding smart, which I hate when commentators do that. See. I hate when they start when they try using words that they wouldn't use in conversation. You'll never find me doing that. Uh, well, that's it. Now you're living with somebody with a weird accent. Yeah, you have that's a funny accent. Biggest irony. I'm fluent in uh, in proper English now. <laughs> But uh, but so I, by the first time they let me be a paid commentator, my very first call, I was calling uh, Dan Danny Ellis hitting a second shot on the 15th hole in Wichita, Kansas on the Nike tour. And I said, you know, he'd really like to just pull off the one Rocky Walcher hit because he's playing alongside a guy named Rocky Walcher a moment ago. And the producer, the guy who hired me, the guy who this day is my best friend, he gets in my ear, he goes, don't you ever fucking do that to me again. Ever fucking do that to me again. I didn't say a word. I didn't know. I didn't. So three holes later, he gets in my ear. He goes, you going to talk? I go, I don't, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I, obviously, I go, I don't even know what I did wrong. And he said, I told you, don't ever tell the viewer about a shot they're not going to see. Ever tell the viewer about a shot they might not see. Can't assume the, viewer, the, the producer had it on tape and was going to show it. So he was mad at me because the guy who was supposed to tape the shots that, you know, in golf, you show a lot of tape shots because they're happening simultaneously. Uh, he screwed up, but he took out his anger on me and I literally choked so bad. Then I was doing a trophy presentation, which we used to do live on the air all the time. And I forgot the winner's name in the middle of the in the middle of the trophy. I was so nervous. I used to do those. I get so damn nervous and I forgot the winner's name. His name is Darren Stiles, and I said congratulations to you and the and because he traveled with his dad and his wife and the same RV and and uh, and and there was another guy on tour named Stiles Mitchell. So now Stiles Mitchell, late Stiles Mitchell, is in my head, and I know he's not Stiles Mitchell, but I forgot his name's Darren Stiles. So congratulations to you and to the 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 whole Stiles family. I said <laughs> it was just so embarrassing. Kay Cockrell once was doing a trophy presentation. Uh, she didn't follow the guy. His name was uh, Andy something. I can't remember. And she goes, Andy, she finishes the trophy presentation and she goes, all right, one last congratulations to Andy Brown. Let's, let's just say Andy Brown. And then she goes, that's right, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you prefer to be in the trailer or on the course? Ooh, I don't know what people ask me that a lot. And honestly, I kind of like both. I love being on the ground because you're up close, personal to the players. You get to see the shots firsthand. You get to see um, how they go about their business. You, you get a really good feel for a player's abilities 
uh, across every, every aspect of the game rather than just looking at a bunch of statistics. Um, so you can really, you know, dig in deep and, and know what the players like and what they do and, and how they interact with people and personality traits and all the rest of it. You get a good feel for everything. It's very in the spur of the moment. This is what you've got calling golf. It's it's fabulous. Being out there in the fresh air, it's great. Sometimes it's not so great if it's pouring with rain or windy or whatever, but more normally it's pretty nice. In the booth, however, I get I get a little bit of my fix for uh, the the analysis of it all, and I, and I can't help. I overanalyze everything in general. Jerry will tell you that it doesn't. It does, if, whether it's making a cup of coffee or whether it's you know the, or whatever in the house, I, I overanalyze everything. Overthinks the world. Overthink everything, and so I get a nice little fix for that when I go in the booth because I literally am allowed to overthink things. I'm allowed to think about stuff. I'm allowed to put pieces of the puzzle together in there. So I personally think the two things work side by side for me. I think I go on the ground, when I'm on the ground as a, as a walker, I learn so much more so that when I'm in the booth, I can I can tell people what I've seen from my time on the ground. And I think it's particularly valuable covering LPGA because there aren't really any statistics out there for us to go by. There's, there's the odd ones here and there, you know, the, the basic numbers. Sure. But, but my experience of following them is invaluable when I actually go in the booth. So it's um, the two things work hand in hand for me. And, and because I've been in the booth, I understand when I'm on the course as a walker, what everything, what, what the people that are in the booth are doing. So by doing both, I have a good understanding. You're a bigger part of the broadcast when you're in the booth or in a tower because you talk more than the guy on the ground. He's only talking about his group. But uh, uh, to me, it's not even a contest. I get so mad at the in. I call them the indoor pets, the indoor <laughs> commentators, because they don't know shit compared to what we know down there walking yeah. with the group. I hate when a tower announcer or a booth announcer tells me what a shot's going to do and why and all that. When I'm standing there looking at it, knowing he's got he's got no clue what he's talking about right now because he hasn't been outside in three hours. He has no idea what the wind's doing or anything. So you never do that to me, though, right? Never do you that. You never think that. About oh, me. I think it all the time. Oh, I just say it, uh, but I do now because um, this is after hours. <laughs> all right. All but right. Uh, no, it's it's I'm not. Sure what you're after hours. Right? Being on the course, you get to you get to live that euphoria and that disappointment. You know the the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat with the players every Sunday. And that to me is invaluable. And you can't do that if you're an indoor pet. Okay. One last question for you guys. I watched one of your um, uh, chats like this on LPGA. It was earlier this year and you were making fish tacos. Karen, does he make good fish tacos? I know you ate it on camera to make it smile, but we do that on the food side too. <laughs> you always got to smile, but uh how are the fish tacos down there? Fish tacos are spectacular. Um, I make a really good meat fish taco sauce. So it's a good combined team effort in that department. Yeah, she makes a little citrusy mango kind of sauce with a little too much mayonnaise in it, but it's pretty damn good. And, uh, I, of course, the breaded, ma breaded pan-fried mahi-mahi is the it's only star. way to make fish it's tacos. If you're not blackening them, you have to do the breaded pan-fried. Yeah. Right. So no, I, 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 I get that. I get that a lot. By the way, I wanted to, you, you mentioned Dottie Pepper and uh, Dottie's been on the show a couple of times. And I said to her one day something about Peter Costas. And, and I said, I had Peter on the show uh, last week. And that was a lot of fun. And I, she was actually laughing when she wrote me back the email. She goes, you're the only guy I've ever known that put the word fun and Peter Costas in the same sentence. So <laughs> it's kind of a little, I, 
little joke. I kid him all. I kid him when I used to see him all the time. He's 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 you know he's not the most thick skinned uh, guy out there. He was a commentator, um, but he's not bad at all. No, uh, had, I took a lesson. I, when I was on my search for the elixir and during my playing days, always trying to find that one magic pill that would send me to the next level, I took a lesson from him. And I swear, I, I tell him to this day, I swear to God, he's the only instructor I've ever known that needed malpractice insurance. <laughs> <laughs> How's your back? It's good now. I had, uh, it's a long story, but yeah. a lot of my back issues, uh, after I recovered from the car accident in 1986, um, a lot of my back issues were from a, a benign tumor that weighed about 15 pounds that got extracted from my body 15 or uh, about 22 months ago. Whoa. Yeah. Man. It was a scary time. And it, it had been growing for years and nobody ever caught it. They found it by accident. And uh, that was what was causing all of the lower back pain. Well, good for you. Well, Jerry, it, it great diet. I went in at 198. I came out at 181 four days later. Hell of a diet. Yeah, that works. I had back surgery about three years ago, and I came out 25 pounds lighter by the time they actually kicked me out of there. So yeah. for a, you know, um, an overly enhanced body like mine, that worked out pretty good. <laughs> you know, works good. Uh, thank you, guys. Good luck today. You've got, uh, I was nice. just it. you've got um, Jennifer and Danielle sitting at the top at yeah. least as of the, this morning. So it should be a good tournament. It will be. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. very good. Okay. Um, when this is done and it's ready, I'll Jerry, I've got your email. I'll send you the links to it and stuff. So you can Perfect. It. Karen, cool. it was nice to see you. And you too. Cheers, okay. Jeff. Take care. Take care. Thanks, man. Uh, see you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.